The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell. I am the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple, and we have a really powerful show today. We're going to get into some real meat. And to have this conversation, a conversation around new thought and new thoughts, voice, and stance when it comes to social justice, I brought in my uh, sister in spirit, uh, the spiritual director of the Bodhi Spiritual Center, the Reverend Lola Wright. How are you doing, Reverend Lola? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. Definitely, definitely. Um, before we get started into the you know questions and talking about uh, social justice and new thought and the things that are just going on in the world and how we can take a spiritual stance individually and collectively, uh, I want to give the audience and uh, some people who might not be familiar with your work an opportunity to know who you are. Can you tell the audience who you are and what you, and what is the vision for Bodhi Spiritual Center? So I'm the spiritual director of what we call a non-religious spiritual center for spiritual living. We are a center for consciousness in uh, Westtown neighborhood of Chicago. We exist to reveal love, to honor all paths, and to celebrate life. It is said that the Buddha awakened under the Bodhi tree, and while we are not a Buddhist community, what we affirm is that awakening is for the many, not the few. And, uh, you know, in a city like Chicago that has deep, deep history of segregation, we are working to create a multicultural, multiracial, intergenerational community where unassuming encounters occur. It's very easy to live in a city like Chicago and stay in your bubble. And we are, you know, at sort of an intersection geographically and our intention is really to further forward realize actualize the beloved community beautiful beautiful so um what is your definition of new thought because if we're going to talk about what new thought needs to do as far as social justice is concerned how do you define new thought so for me new thought is a philosophy it is a way of life it's a movement it is a worldview, it's a perspective that asserts that there is one thing happening here. You can call it God, spirit, life, this universe of which we are intrinsically connected to. 
and we're the individualized expression of this one thing. There, there, we are each uniquely expressing as this holy presence. And one of the things that really altered my life when I was exposed to this philosophy is something that you speak to often, the notion that there is something radically right about you. I just could never get with the notion that I was raised with that I'm inherently wounded or broken. That never worked for me. It never made sense to me. I, I could see the correlation between political movements and social movements, keeping people oppressed through um, enrolling them in a vision of brokenness, and it just never worked. So when I was exposed to a, a philosophy that says there's something radically right about you and right where you are is all that you need to create that which you desire, I was like, wow, I can work with that. And my life completely transformed through the application of these principles. Beautiful, beautiful. And, you know, it's one of the things that uh, always um, excites me is to hear people talk about what new thought is and how it and what it means to them and how it transformed their lives. Mm. Because I think that's the beginning of the passion that allows us to go forward. You know, what touched you? What excited you about the message? How did it transform your life? How did it help you get your breakthroughs? How did it help you come out of a situation and circumstance? So when I'm talking to people about, you know, uh, new thought and uh, and what it means, it, it actually I said to uh, I, the congregation on Sunday at Christ Universal Temple, uh, I quoted something that one of my spiritual mothers, the Reverend Evelyn Boyd, always says to us, uh, to the ministers and to the people she's taught and mentored. She she says. If you are arrested for being a new thought Christian, because she uses that terminology, if you are arrested for being a new thought Christian, would they have enough evidence to convict you? <laughs> <laughs> so, it, because we don't, many times people who are part of what the world would call alternative spiritualities, I don't use that term, but what the world would call alternative spiritualities, that's not a part of the mainstream per mm -hmm. se. Uh, Many times we're very quiet about it, and uh, therefore, new thought as a term isn't even used a lot. Even in religious books, you can take courses in universities, and people will study everything, and new thought is interwoven in so many different things, but the term never comes up. It's, a, it's an interesting uh, conversation just around new thought and what it means. Yeah, I feel like part of that is new thought is sort of self-impressed in a way that I don't know always serves it. And, and by that, I mean, like I was raised within a big family, a big Irish Catholic family, and I was raised with a mythology about how great we were and how special we were. And, and I use that word mythology intentionally. I think the new thought movement has done a little bit of that with itself. It's very self-impressed. And it hasn't always taken responsibility for who it's going to be in the larger community, in the greater world. And, you know, as Carlton Pearson oftentimes says, the challenge with new thought is it hasn't really had a new thought in a minute. And I think that's something, you know, for people who, who assert themselves as leaders of this movement really have to confront. Yeah, I would agree completely. And as Ernest Holmes would say, new thought is open at the top. But that mm -hmm. means you should be building something. You should be building on what you have, mm -hmm. not making a mausoleum of what you received. That's right. You know, so um, 
Do you think new thought is important to the religious dialogue of the world? And if so, why? Mm, I, I, I mean, I, I could sort of argue both ends of that inquiry. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that we're actually evolving to a point that really is calling for us to transcend um, religious fixation. And I actually think that when the new, this is just, you know, on planet Lola, an opinion, this is not the truth, but mm -hmm. I think that when new thought works so hard to identify itself as a religious order, it places a limitation on itself that doesn't serve it. So one of the things that I love about the new thought philosophy is it's really the intersection of science, religion, and philosophy. And so to me, to put it in the context of religion is a limitation that's of less interest to me. I think that the evolution of humanity is really calling for a transcendent exploration, one that transcends beyond the for, former paradigms of religion. So I personally don't think it really serves the New Thought movement to affiliate or identify itself in a religious context. Okay. This is not a counterpoint, but just, just from a standpoint of, of the conversation of religion, I think that it has a voice that still needs to be heard based upon the term that you, you had mentioned that I uh, use from time to time, which is there's something radically right about the human mm -hmm. being. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the pers a lot of people are walking around life in the sense of brokenness mm -hmm. just because of what they received religiously. Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't have to necessarily say it's only confined to the religious discussion because new thought has never been uh, totally defined by religion. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it it gave birth to what we would call now the self-help movement in, mm -hmm. in, in the world. Without a shadow of a doubt, you know, human potential movements, et cetera, all of them can trace themselves back to new thought. And obviously new thought pulled from many different so sources as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do think that the conversation of, of there's something radically right about you. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the, I mean, that's a game changer. That yeah. is still a very, very revolutionary contribution to the conversation that humanity is experiencing right now. And I would say, you know, the suffering that we are experiencing on the planet at its core is rooted in a, a fundamental belief in brokenness. Yes. And so it's like, like from that perspective, I mean, absolutely taking the new thought, uh, philosophy, perspective, worldview into, you know, um, uh, you know, religious environments and providing sort of a, a counter narrative to your spirituality. I think that is essential. I think that's essential. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I do want to make sure that people do have an opportunity to call in and ask questions if they want to ask you a question or ask both of us a question. I just want to give the number out a couple of times really quickly. The number is 816 251 35 Five five eight one six two five one three five five five. One more time, eight one six two five one three five five five. If you have questions, please call in. We'd love to hear from you. Um, I just want one more thing before I ask the next question about um, uh, a new thought in social justice because we're about to get into the teeth of, the, of these questions. One other aspect of that I think that's important 
that new thought presents to the world is uh, the the change your thinking, change your life paradigm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, you know, many times people feel as though that they are disempowered mm-hmm. in life, that they don't have the opportunity to change what's in front of them. So they become resigned to what's in front of them. You know, what difference does it make? You know, what difference if it doesn't make if I vote? What difference does it make if I do the right thing? What difference does it make if I pray and meditate? What difference does it make? What difference does it make? And the change of thinking, change your life paradigm is 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 strong because, you know, as, as you know, when I came to CUT, and I've told you the story before, and three weeks later, I was in the hospital at age 20 with uh, almost died from an asthma attack. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling my mom in the hospital bed with oxygen, with the with all this stuff on me and the doctors are saying all type of things. And I brought the two books I just bought for my class that started two weeks later. And I just said to my mom, you know, mom, according to these books, I don't have to have this if I don't want it. Mm-hmm. That's a game changer because mm-hmm. if a 20 year old South side kid can get it with no religious training, what could happen if that type of conversation is is happening in the world because I was, <laughs> I just believe I don't have to have this. Well, also what it provides people with is agency. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it removes the externalized locus of control and says that within you resides a, a domain, a capacity that can transcend all circumstances and conditions. I think the misapplication of those teachings though suggests that then nobody should have the struggles that they're having and if they're experiencing recurring challenges then something must be wrong with them that to me is like a mis that's like a bastardization of the teachings i also think people don't really understand how to extrapolate that principle onto the collective experience you know what yeah. i'm saying like like i'll never forget in a class that i was teaching Um, When we're talking about consciousness, you know, awareness, self-awareness, waking up to the capacity of oneself. And someone said, "Okay, well, well, if that is true, then that one then what you're saying is, you know, the suffering that people are experiencing in a third world country, they created that. And I was like, hold up. Wait a minute. You might consider that your gluttonous uh, consumption of resources is what's creating the disparity in economic environments globally. So, you know, it's like, how do you really apply these principles at a global level, at a collective level? And I think that that is, you know, where the New Thought Movement has really not evolved. And I don't think that it's, I don't think that it's true to its roots. I mean, this movement came out of suffragists and abolitionists. Like this movement was radical at the time that it, it, it developed in this country. So, you know, there's sort of like this bubbling conversation about, you know, why does the new thought movement want to become political now? And it's like, wait a minute, the new thought movement was always political. And to, so, I mean, I don't want to get on a soapbox too soon, but. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know if you remember me saying this to you uh, when we were down uh, um, downtown marching at uh, when the Laquan, Laquan McDonald, McDonald. Mm-hmm. and I and I said to you before we went down there that I understand what what we teach people and 
I shouldn't have to be a mystic to get justice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, if your conscience is whatever, now we're talking about basic civil rights. Mm-hmm. We're talking about basic human rights. That's right. And if I have to be a, if I have to be at the Jesus Christ consciousness level just mm-hmm. to get basic justice, then mm-hmm. there's something wrong with the collective consciousness mm-hmm. that needs to be transformed. That's right. Not, um, not pointing the finger back at me. It's okay. What's going on with us that we're comfortable with these type of results showing up? over and over and over again because our spirituality is our politics. That's right. Yeah, when you look up the word justice in the revealing word, you know, metaphysical dictionary, um, one of the first descriptors under the word justice is when judgment is divorced from love and works from the head alone, there goes forth the human cry for justice. and. You know, so it's like Cornell West said it like this. Justice is the public face of love. The New Thought Movement loves to talk about love, but love is conceptual if not put into practice, if not actualized, if not applied. So what does love look like in action? It looks like justice. The word that Holmes, I think, used really primarily to articulate justice was order. And I mean, you can look on the planet right now and you can say spiritually, there's some greater order occurring, but there is a lot of disorder. There's chaos that is existing in the human experience. And that to me is an outpicturing of our consciousness. Yes. Yes. Uh, It's kind of funny that you mentioned uh, about the love and the order because Reverend Ike actually used to tell people that the reason why the mystics didn't teach principles like uh, that are taught in New Thought and other mystic traditions is because you had to prove that you had a consciousness of love before they would teach you the spiritual principles and mm-hmm. laws of the universe. And I, I, you know, when you said that, it just brought that back. Okay, mm-hmm. if if I teach somebody about how to create their own experience, how to create and manifest uh, uh, in life, mm-hmm. devoid of love. Mm-hmm. Then that's then that conversation creates something to where you have someone who is intentionally creating things that that are only self-serving mm-hmm. and uh, potentially harmful for other people. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but there's actually a uh, a movement in in the alt right community that studies Neville, mm-hmm. devoid yeah. of all the love conversation yeah. which yeah. you talked about. Yes. But only on the level said, this is how you imagine it and how you produce it. And, you know, it is, it is an amazing conversation because they have adulterated somebody who started with love. Mm-hmm. And, and they were totally dismissed that parts they don't want so mm-hmm. they can produce what they want. So, well, and that really speaks to the impersonal nature of the law. Yes. You know, like, you know, you could say Donald Trump is a great uh, demonstration of the application of these principles. But the counter inquiry to that would be, and is he using these principles for their highest application? You know, and, and so it's like, yeah, he might, he might have gotten some facility around the law, you know, like, but in service of what? Right, right. Uh, I had another question, but I, I just got to jump into that for a second because I've told people... That same thing so many times, it's unreal, mm-hmm. that the law is impersonal. 
mm-hmm. that it works for the guy that's standing on the corner and it stand and it works for the Pope in the mm-hmm. Vatican. It doesn't mm-hmm. make a difference in that all contrast mm-hmm. because the 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 thoughts held in mind produced after their own kind works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The challenge comes into play is as I've told people before, when you produce or manifest something, you also get the things that go along with it. And when you manifest things devoid of love, devoid of divine order, devoid of understanding, devoid of wisdom, you also get the things that go along with that demonstration. Or as I like to tell people, when you go to Kentucky Fried Chicken, you always get a biscuit. And when you... And some of these demonstrations people say they want, they don't, they aren't wise enough to realize what's attached to them. Right. Right. I mean, oh my gosh, I could just, uh, the Sunday after the election, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole on the election, although it is one of my more favorite rabbit holes. Um, you know, I said, look, we just have to really get that there was a predominant consciousness Forget the electoral college, the popular vote, forget all that. There was a predominant uh, willingness to look beyond a racist and misogynistic platform. And at some level of the collective consciousness, that was elected. Now, I am very optimistic about the evolution of humanity. I'm very optimistic about the evolution and transformation of consciousness, specifically in the United, what is what we call the United States of America. So I, I, I can simultaneously see how this is in service of good, despite the pain that it provokes. But um, we have to really get, like on some level of our being, there was a collective agreement to say yes to racism and misogyny. And if you were able to, this is just, you know, on planet Lola, if you were comfortable looking beyond explicitly racist and misogynistic rhetoric in the campaign trail and still chose to elect that, that's something that's deep to really look at. Well, well, you're better than me because I'll just say it as plainly as possible. It has never changed. It's what built this country. That's right. And until we're honest enough to have the real conversation, we'll keep having people uh, pick at the scab yep. and it won't heal yep. because uh, racism and misogyny and, and get over on the next man at all costs has been the conversation since the beginning of this nation. Okay. And, um, and before we go into social justice, um, I'd never forget my grandmother was a twin. My maternal grandmother was a twin and, um, they used to have to leave school early and they were, they worked for a sharecropper. They were paid $1 a week to pick cotton. Mm. And my grandmother said that my her twin brother didn't have shoes mm. and this sharecropper they worked for was quite wealthy paying them a dollar a week. Mm-hmm. And they're out there 10 hours a day. And, uh, he, he needed some shoes. So they went to the sharecropper and said, well, you know, can, you know, he, he doesn't even have shoes to pick the cotton. Mm-hmm. And the sharecropper said to him, in word, you're not worth a pair of shoes. Mm-hmm. That psychology passes on. He inherited it mm-hmm. and it passes on. Well, and, and did, you say, did you say that was, that was your grandmother? Yes. Right. So I just want to get for a second, because people like to talk about these things like they were a long time ago. Yes. And it's like, wait a second, this is, this is 
this is Galen's grandmother. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my grandmother had mm-hmm. those stories. And and my family ended up in Chicago because mm-hmm. my grandfather got in an argument with a man over chickens that he was right about. And mm-hmm. he had to leave his wife, mm-hmm. his home, mm-hmm. his clothes, mm-hmm. his furniture, his family, everything, and be on the first train out, or he was going to be hung by that night. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so, we're not ta- so when people start talking about, oh, my God, I can't believe that this happened. Um, and, you know, I'm just going to say it plainly and I'm just going to put it out there. And I'm not trying to offend anybody when I say this. Uh, but black people aren't surprised. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'll just leave that there. There's what not a my- surprise about, oh, my God, you mean there's injustice? It's, it's, it's because until you're, you know what it means to be seven and eight years old and having adults tell you, don't look at the police officer wrong. Mm-hmm. You don't know what that conversation means. That's right. You know, so, so, so you're raised to not even trust the person who's supposed to come save you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are a couple of thoughts I have, you know, <laughs> the, the tendency to, sort of couch these perspectives with, you know, I don't mean to offend anybody. It's like, well, what's also true is that we cannot offend you. You offend you, you know? So just if you're noticing yourself feeling triggered by this conversation, it's like, take a breath and go, what is, what is the wisdom here for me to, to learn from? You know, um, one of the things that's fascinating to me uh, that I certainly have bumped up against in my community and is definitely not unique in the new thought world is there's a, um, a much greater willingness to talk about equity issues as it relates to gender. And there's a much greater willingness to talk about the, um, marginalization of LGBTQ identified people And there's something that happens when you want to talk about race where like, you know, just white people basically just, you know, we're making gross generalizations. So take a breath. If you're like, that's not true about me, Um, where there just seems to be a real unwillingness and a, and a reactivity to explore that topic. And, and as long as we are in a triggered reactive state, around the topic of race and have not spiritually matured to the point where we can have a critical exploration of that topic, we will be in the trance of separation as it relates to race in America. Absolutely. We're getting close to our first break. I do want to make sure that I, again, offer people the opportunity to call in. Um, as, as I stated earlier, the number is, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, 816-251-3555, 816-251-3555. We want to hear from you. We want to know what you have to think. We want to make sure that you connect with us and get your questions answered. So we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. 
the voice of an awakening world. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach around the world, we depend on the generosity of listeners like you. If you enjoy the programming, please make your donation today by going to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate. Thank you for your support. Here's Eric Butterworth with a Unity Mindful Moment. Unfortunately, religions have tended to present themselves as institutions instead of perceptions, something you join instead of a transcendence that you experience. We've tended to believe that God works exclusively through the machinery of an institution. So it is self-evident that most persons believe that you go to church to get close to God. The fact is, if God is present in the church, God is also present in the theater. God is present, period, because God is an online presence, everywhere present. So you don't go to church to get close to God. But you go to church, perhaps, hopefully, to be challenged to dig within yourself and to find that consciousness of the presence that is with you wherever you go. So that wherever you go, wherever you are, God is. To pick up the Eric Butterworth book, Practical Metaphysics, go to unity.org and click on Shop. Did you know you can reach Unity's 24-7 prayer ministry online? You don't even have to give your name to know the prayers have begun for you or those you love. Someone has been praying around the clock at Silent Unity since 1890, and every request is taken into prayer for 30 days. Why not let us pray with you, too? To submit your prayer request to Silent Unity online, go to unity.org and click on prayer, or call 816-969-2000. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment. Unity founder Charles Fillmore is quoted as saying, Here is a mental treatment guaranteed to cure every ill. Sit for half an hour every night and mentally forgive everyone against whom you have any ill will. The act of forgiveness is powerful medicine. Is there someone in your life that you can work on forgiving? Try this exercise tonight. To forgive is to set yourself free. Find out more about Unity at unity.org. Get ready to stretch your thinking and question your beliefs. Tune into Metaphysical Romp with Reverend Paul Hasselbeck every Monday at 10 a.m. Central on Unity Online Radio. Paul, along with his co-hosts, Reverends Bill and Cher Holton, will challenge your thinking and inspire you to open your mind and look outside the box. Discover Unity's spiritual laws and take a deep dive into the world of metaphysics and apply life-changing concepts today. Tune in Mondays at 10 Central on Unity Online Radio. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. Before we start back with the Reverend Lola Wright, I want to remind you that this show has a Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. My request is that you like the page if you're on Facebook, give it a five-star rating, and write a positive review. It helps with the algorithms. It helps get it out in front of people. It helps with the Google. When people Google Transforms or Truth Transforms, it'll pop up at number one. 
um, which it does right now. Thanks to you. Thank you. Also, this show is on iTunes podcast and the Stitcher app for Android uh, mobile devices. So my request yet again is that you give it a five-star rating and that you write a positive review so we can help it get in front of people. It's really important that we understand that we have to get this in front of people. Mm. Uh, Also remember that uh, Unity Online Radio is supported by your donations. So as you freely receive, freely give, please go to uh, unity.fm, Unity Online Radio, that's the shortcut uh, link. Uh, Click on the donate button and help support this online ministry. I have people, I'm not even talking about other hosts. I have people that are listening to this show as far as South Africa and the Middle East, uh, Mexico, Canada, all over the United States, Central America, the Caribbean, Europe. Uh, I, only place I haven't heard from yet is Asia. So it's really important that this message gets out because some of us sometimes take for granted what we receive. And what your support and donations allow unity to get the message out and communicate in areas, you know, with social media, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm requesting your support mm-hmm. to help us continue to get this message out to the world. Now, let's get back to the show. Reverend Lola Wright, I, we're having a great time. I, so so here's the, the, the big question. Why does New Thought need a social social justice stance? Well, it, I, it's so funny because I have sort of an aversion to the terminology of social justice. It occurs a little bit for me like Black History Month or Pride Month, you know, and it's sort of like I, I don't really understand how you can move on the planet without feeling a profound orientation towards the well-being of all humanity. To me, it is it is the articulation of the premise of oneness. If we do not feel compelled to activate the teaching of oneness through, through social justice, then oneness is nothing more than a concept. So, um, you know, to me, it's like, it, you know, social justice is the application of the principle. To, to tend to all of humanity and to create systems, structures, policies that are oriented in and around love and generosity is, is the essence of our existence. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, one of the things that I'm always telling people about new thought is sometimes, you know, because for some people, we're the unicorn. They haven't, you know, we, we talk funny, you know, we move and act and react differently. And I'll have people ask me, well, what's your stance on this? And what's your stance on that? What's your stance on this? And I'll say, I don't have a stance on all those things. I have a stance on human beings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't have to have a LGBTQ stance when I have yeah. a human being stance. Yeah. I don't have to have a stance about racism when I have a human being stance. I don't have That's to have right. a stance about religion. When mm-hmm. I have a human being stance, what's your political stance on blah, 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 blah. I don't have to have a political particular stance when I have a stance about human beings. Mm-hmm. In other words, uh, uh, I had this conversation, I think it was with, uh, it might have been with Mitch Horowitz. I'm not trying to remember 
where uh, something, uh, I think I mentioned something about um, when the early New Thought people uh, uh, complemented uh, what they were teaching with the social aspects of Jesus's teachings. Like, mm -hmm. what does it look like if New Thought really practiced? Mm -hmm. Or any religious philosophy, because Lord knows Christianity in all forms one way or another has been hijacked by people who rather manipulate it than practice it. Mm -hmm. What does do unto others as you will want others to do unto you really look like? Yeah. You know, what does uh, the conversation of if you see a splinter in your brother's eye, mm -hmm. first remove, he, Jesus said, he says, he said, before you criticize your brother because he has a splinter in his eye, first remove the log out of your eye. And he, matter of right. fact, he said, you hypocrite. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was actually the terminology. You know, in other words, you're faking to be something that you're not. Right. You remove the log out of your eye, then you can better help your brother. Uh, showing up as, what is turn the other cheek? In other words, shift from the human conscious, ego-based mindset to a divine spiritual mindset. What does that look like in practicality? Mm -hmm. And I think that um, we have, an, and I'm not saying that no new thought people are doing this because this is, again, we're not making gen, take, making general statements mm -hmm. saying this is a blanket statement. But I do know that that our movement at times can uh, be so self-serving that we miss the conversation, and then there's a hole in the 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 gospel of oneness. Right. And the hole in the gospel of oneness, and that's just a term I just made up. There's no such thing and you know, as far as a movement. Maybe, maybe that's our new thing, Lola. I don't know. The gospel <laughs> of oneness. <laughs> uh, that the hole in the gospel well, of I oneness. Well, I like that, by the way, because if you that that's the an acronym the acronym would be God. G O D. The wait, oh no, I screwed that up. Never mind. Yeah. I, was, I thought I had something I was working with. There. It would Never mind. Actually be goo. It'll be goo. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, we can work with that. We can work yeah, with that. Know, hey, goo. <laughs> but, but the whole in the gospel of oneness is I'm divine and my brother and sister are also divine. Right, right. That's the conversation. Right. So, so how does how do we honor the traditional approach of individual responsibility and new thought and honor the need to be a voice for justice? Well, the thing that's coming up for me is like, you know, for me, the big idea of doing your inner work is so that you can be of greater service to humanity. You know, the, the, the point of, of doing my inner work such that I can solely acquire the house, the car, the vacation, the shoes that I want is like, that's a cheapening of your capacity. And, and that's not to say that you can't have all those great things. But I think if we, if we don't understand that the development, the evolution, the cultivation of oneself is ultimately, if we don't get that it's ultimately in service of contributing and supporting and serving others, then we've missed something. Like we've sort of missed the whole point here. Yes, yes. You know, I, I like to use the analogy. I, be, I believe I used it when we were speaking downtown uh, at the Chicago Ideas event. Mm -hmm. uh, that that traditionally, New Thought has always said, if we live all lived on the same block, my responsibility is to go out and clean up in front of my house. Mm -hmm. If you clean up in front of your house, the whole block is clean. Mm -hmm. 
my approach to new thought is if I go outside and clean up my house, then I my house is done. I can help somebody else clean up their house. That's right. So so it doesn't it doesn't mean that my responsibility for my life uh, uh, is it my is it on me, but I can get help and others can help me. Yeah. And, and, and I can help others, in other words. So so when we understand oneness, that that spirit expresses through many people in different ways with different gifts, talents and abilities, then when we're working together as a collective, uh, we can create more than anybody can can create individually. That's mm-hmm. one. And and also it puts us in a position to where we recognize that any thought that I have to get mine at the expense of someone else mm-hmm. is a consciousness of lack. Mm-hmm. The ability to give states your abundance. Mm-hmm. And that's it's- also one of the conversations that's unique in America because traditional economics is based on a concept of lack. There's a limited there are limited resources for this, this, and this. Instead of there's always creative ways that we, in which we can collaborate and produce new ideas to create a greater good. There's always mm-hmm. a way. But- when I first started showing up at Bodhi, um, approaching, well, it was like 14 years ago. When I first started showing up to Bodhi, I had a crazy amount of debt. I was um, a single parent. Uh, that would take like, this sounds almost comical, but I literally would take like two trains and a bus to get to Bodie. I had two little kids and I had a blind dog in a roller backpack. That's how I would show up at Bodie. It was, it was, it was crazy. And when I started getting this message of you have enough to give financially and you have enough to give time and talent if you had looked at my circumstances and conditions, it would have been very easy to make an argument that that was not true. But part of the way that I had to disrupt the internalized tyranny of lack and limitation was to assert that I, in fact, did have enough despite the conditions that were appearing. And so I started financially giving in a way that was seemingly irresponsible. And over time, developing that muscle and that practice, my circumstances and conditions started to shift because I took back my power from externalized forces and said, hang on a second. Um, You know what I mean? It's like I was on this hamster wheel of like paying all my bills and still not having enough. And when I finally said, you know what, I'm going to take the first 10% of all my earnings and I'm going to give it to where I'm spiritually fed because I'm going to start asserting that I am sourced and supplied and I have enough and I get to say where my money goes, not some externalized system. That's not going to tell me where my money goes. I get to say where my time, my talent, my treasure goes. That was like a major shift in consciousness and everything else came out of that. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So, uh, what are, can I, can I say, yeah. can I say, can I say something also sort of yeah. unre- unrelated, but back to our earlier topic, one of the things I hear people say a lot is I just don't want, um, our community to get political. I just don't want the new thought movement to get political. 
And I, I, I just, that, that sort of makes me crazy. It, I mean, what are you so afraid about around politics? There's a distinction between being political and being partisan. There is a distinction, like, like what does political mean? Political means to uh, take an interest in or to be related to the government or the public affairs of uh, uh, a geography. And if we, as people who believe in a premise of oneness and in the realization of oneness, do not become political, then we are taking zero responsibility for the world that we want to create. So, you know, I just, I just wanted to put that out there because it's, it's lazy thinking when people say, I don't want us to get political. It, it's really like, can you, can, would you be willing to exercise your mental muscles just a little bit more? Yeah, it was kind of funny. Um, I, I don't think I ever had an opportunity to tell you. Uh, in December, I was speaking at an alderman's office. I was doing a pre- leadership presentation. Mm-hmm. And uh, unbeknownst to me, um, some Illinois state representatives and and once Illinois state senator, they were there to talk to this particular uh, alderwoman. And uh, while they were there and I'm going through this leadership process, I had an opportunity to speak to it was it was two ministers in the community. So let me just give some context. And what I said to them was, and these are all fundamentalist, Christian, Baptist, Pentecostal, Church of God mm-hmm. in Christ, old school, you know, you know, heaven, hell, you, you, you know, if you don't accept this, you know, you're toe tagged for eternal damnation, folks. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and I say that lovingly because I treat them all with love and they treat me with love, you know, mm-hmm. cause I'm showing up as who I am. And, <laughs> I just particularly liked your use of the term toe tagged. <laughs> <laughs> Is it true? It's the truth. Uh, You know, because their theology says if you don't accept Jesus, you're toe-tagged. Right. You're born toe-tagged. Right. Jesus removes the tag, according to to that theology. Right. So so I said to them, um, to the ministers and to the politicians, I said, um, why does religion matter and what we think about God matters? I said, and then I told them, I said, I was at an event where uh, it was was, a... about 50 or 60 ministers, and we were meeting with doctors from around um, the Chicagoland area. This was some years ago. Um, the University of Chicago, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it was big wigs there. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about what they wanted to see changed and as far as health was concerned on the south side of Chicago in the black community. Mm-hmm. What they wanted, numbers they needed to see reduced by, say, 20, 25 or whatever. Mm-hmm. This was a good, good 10 years ago. And what I said to them at the time, at the people at my table and to the person who invited me, who was one of the leaders on that board, I said, this meeting makes no sense to me. Mm-hmm. And she said, why? I said, uh, I said, you see all these ministers getting up, asking all these questions about blood pressure and sickle cell and diabetes and all these ailments of the world that's afflicting this community. I said, that's all great. I said, but here's where the challenge comes into play. I said, these same people are going to get up tomorrow. And preach that Jesus is about to come and blow the world up. Mm-hmm. So why am I planning for 2025? Why am I talking <laughs> about financial, economic uh, uh, development and, and, and 
you know, whole food stores in, in our community, when we're telling people that this is the last and evil days mm-hmm. and Jesus is about to come up and blow the, blow the, blow up the world. So mm-hmm. not bringing it back to the meeting with in front of the politicians, I said, people who are being taught that theology, whether they're Catholic, Baptist, Pentecostal, et cetera, et cetera, are the people who are voting. So when they hear you say, uh, the ice caps are melting, and and we need to recycle or we need to take care of Mother Earth. What difference does it make? Jesus is about to come and blow the world up. <laughs> uh, and they just looked at me. <laughs> and I was like, so, so you're not going to protect something that you don't believe will be here. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I said to them, this is why what you think about God and life and the world matters. Mm-hmm. So, 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 what I was trying to get them to say is, you have to critically think about how your theology is even affecting what the politicians are doing or not doing. You right. think it's, you think that it's about those subjects that people always talk about religiously. No, I'm talking about what is the psychology, and I'm just going to use another word, the psychosis yes. behind. The decisions that people are making, I'm saying it's the collective consciousness, or as Charles Fillmore would call it, the race consciousness, mm-hmm. or as Joe Goldsmith would say, the universal moral belief system that is driving the behavior. They're living in a context, they're living in a paradigm that says, see the world this way. Mm-hmm. And anybody that brings evidence to the contrary is dismissed as a quack, even though the person who's bringing facts to the table can prove what they're saying. They don't care about what can be proved. They know what they believe. Well, and I, would, and I would add, what's in it for the the power structure to maintain a premise of fear and disempowerment among the people? Yes. What What's in it for the power structure is that it gets to remain in power. So the, there's a deep investment in keeping folks afraid and disempowered because yeah. you know one of the, one of the things i think is so fascinating about you know the new thought uh premise when appropriately explored and applied is that you don't actually need something because all that you need is within you you mm-hmm. don't you know and it's like that's a very very different conversation you know, like to, to orient a community, a movement, a body of beings around wholeness versus brokenness and woundedness and fear, that's a very different paradigm. Yes, yes. I think it makes a difference. And it keeps people in, in control. One of the things that's funny, mm-hmm. I always jokingly tell uh, some of my minister buddies is I always say Jesus was a liberal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because people run away from terms like yep. liberal, conservative. Yep. I know Jesus was a liberal. Mm-hmm. I like, I say anybody who actually understands that he lived in a, in a, in a, in a era where the Romans had occupied his land. Mm-hmm. So it was Roman occupation mm-hmm. within a, within a Jewish theocracy mm-hmm. and structure that did not allow, uh, the potential for people to shift out of their, uh, for lack of terminology, caste system. Right. So Jesus came out of a, a caste system and said, this system doesn't work. And when people read it in a 21st century 
context instead of a first century context, they don't realize when he's speaking to things, he's speaking against the norms, religious, social, political, and economic norms of his time. Well, that's why I say it really, it really doesn't work to say, you know, don't get political. It's like, if you have any understanding about Jesus of Nazareth, that guy was profoundly political. Yes. You know, it's like, what are you talking about? I might, I might, I might have to do a, a few shows on that. You might have to come back just for those shows. Uh, I'd because, love to. Because that's, that could be a real conversation because I don't know if you've ever read the book Marcus, by Marcus Borg, uh, Jesus, the something of a religious, religious revolutionary. He, I mean, I'm I, familiar with his work, but I'm not familiar with that book. I'll text it to you. Uh, okay. it's a master, it's a masterpiece. Yeah. Uh, and, and he puts Jesus back in the context and he showed you how these scriptures spoke to these specific things. Yeah. They weren't general statements. Mm-hmm. We, we do the spiritual allegorical metaphysical dance now. Right. He was talking about something in particular, Right. <laughs> you know, right. so, you know, and then some other conversations that go along with that too. So, you know, we're probably like less than four minutes out. So let me just ask one more question. Um, uh, what are the actions you think New Thought needs to take now in the context of social justice? I mean, I think that the New Thought, I mean, it's, it's hard to speak sort of generally like that. Um, I think that there's, I think in the white New Thought community, folks really need to take responsibility for developing their racial consciousness. And I get a little bit nervous when I see communities speaking out without having done the inner work to really untangle what's living in you. You know what I mean? So I think that like the leaders within the movement need to really, really do the work in their own subconscious mind to understand I mean, my, my conversation is really around race. That, that's like, I, I think so long as this country is unwilling to have a meaningful, robust, honest exploration of the history of race in America, we will continue to circle the drain. So right. that to me is what the New Thought Movement has to take responsibility for within itself. Yes, yes. Um, one of the, you know, I have a few thoughts on that, uh, but I want to get one more question out because mm-hmm. we are down to the last two minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's Bodhi up to when it comes to creating this consciousness of oneness? I mean, I, I think that one of the things Bodhi does incredibly well is have uncomfortable conversations. And I think that that's something the larger movement could learn from, you know, uh, and, and I think some people misunderstand the teachings to, to think that it's, it's that, comfort reigns supreme. And I I have not created any of my greatest achievements out of a place of comfort. And so I think the way that Bodhi is actualizing oneness within its walls and within the city of Chicago is being willing to have the uncomfortable conversations and butt up against each other and then take responsibility for the unconscious aspects of ourselves and then do the work to bring greater self-awareness. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that definitely works. We got about a minute and a half. So I wanted to make sure that people know how to get in contact with you. What do they need to do if they want to learn more about Bodhi Spiritual Center and the Reverend Lola Wright? So check out BodhiSpiritualCenter.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Bodhi Chicago. I'd also love for you to check me out at Lola Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T.com. And follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Lola P. Wright. I love social media. I can entertain myself for hours, and I would love for you to join me in that entertainment. Also, you have a Facebook live show? You know what? I put that on pause because I got sort of tired of just hearing myself speak, and I I love conversations so much that I'm reformatting that, and it'll likely um, show up as a podcast sometime later this year. Okay, that sounds like a great plan. So, uh, you know, again, uh, for those who are listening to this show, this podcast should be available by this evening. My request is that you get the link off of Unity Online Radio, unity.fm, and share it with your social media. Let's create a conversation. A person doesn't have to be in new thought. A person doesn't have to be in any metaphysical system of thought to have a conversation around what we need to do to heal the land. Mm -hmm. So I'm asking you to do it. Also, if you want to check out the uh, archives of this show, all you have to do is find my page, Truth Transforms, on the Unity Online Radio's uh, website and make sure that you just listen and enjoy. God bless you. We want to make sure that you have an empowered and productive life. But we also want to make sure that you have a satisfying and fulfilling life. In your power, I'll be with you next week. With Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show, exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.